Now, where to begin? Welcome back to Real Original. Today we're going to be discussing the Netflix original Enola. My name's David. My name's Suzanne. And my name's Sterling. And I wanted to start off this recording with a a special new segment that we might start doing. Ratings! So, Netflix ranks things on a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Let's just get your overall impression of this movie. I don't know if you did rate this after you watched it, but if you had to rate it, would you go with thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs up, easy. I would say thumbs down (laughs) sterling sterling you're gonna be the party pooper on this episode because i also rated it thumbs up ultimately i really wish that i liked it more and i'm sure we're gonna dive into all the different things that were good and bad about it so i just want to get the elephant in the room onto the table and out of my head the talking to the camera bits were terrible yep I'm right there with you. At first, I was like, is this really going to happen the whole movie? And it did. It happened the entire film. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that you see in movies that are adapted from books poorly, like books that have a a strong narrator presence or internal monologue presence. I don't think that was the case with the book this movie's based on, but it kind of felt that way. It felt like a bad adaptation. Or like it almost made it feel like a kid's movie. Like we need that to happen in order to understand what's going on. But getting that out of the way, if you can scoop that aside and look past it, this movie was a lot of fun. It wasn't at all what I was expecting from it, and I would love to see more in the Enola Holmes verse. I would love to see Netflix continue this. So, Sterling, the animation in this movie, did it remind you of anything? Like the CGI that you're referring to? Uh... No, the the bits about the Holmes family. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um, not not off the top of my head, but so they reminded me of Mr. Pickle's Wild Ride. Oh God, the short animation that plays before movies at Grandview Theater. Okay, yeah, I could see that. It was very much in that like animation style, and it it just made me laugh. I I certainly certainly could see that uh, kind of similarity. For sure. So Suzanne, you said you rated this a thumbs up. What did you like about this movie? Um, I thought the plot was great. I actually expected it to be more so about Enola's mom finding her. I liked it. It was, you know, a female main character and she was portrayed as a badass. And I thought overall that like the storyline was good. I felt like, you know, for a Sherlock Holmes type of movie where you have detective work and clues that need to be solved like I could keep up with some of them and then others I couldn't um there's a little bit of love and romance in there flirting with the kids whatever so I thought overall it was a good movie you got a really good ending of everything tying together so that's why I gave it a thumbs up yeah and speaking of her being a badass this is exactly the kind of like progressive feminist movie that I like to see made there's a lot of push for predominantly male characters like James Bond, for example, to be recast as women. And I've never really liked that idea because it's taking a character that is just so like inherently not female from my perspective. And it's just, it doesn't feel right to just try to convert them kind of lazily to a different gender. I love the idea of just creating different characters within these universes that are clearly dominated by male characters that are like more kick-ass than the men in those universes. Mm -hmm. So having Sherlock Holmes have a younger sister that's like more fun than him is great. 
right there with you. On the subject of like comparing Enola to Sherlock, I get the impression that Sherlock and Mycroft Holmes are people that would enjoy a good game of chess. They actually mentioned that in the movie at one point that Sherlock likes playing chess against good chess players. And Enola probably would enjoy a good game of chess too, but I could also see her like, like if she's losing a chess game to Sherlock, I can see her pulling out like a dog treat under the table and a big dog runs over and knocks the chessboard over. And she's kind of like, oh, well, I guess neither of us wins. <laughs> and that's what makes her a more interesting character is that she's really wily and like she's more street smart. Agreed. I could also see her being the type to just like something like paintball if it existed back then. <laughs> it existed in some form, I'm sure. Probably just not pneumatic firearms. <laughs> Rotten tomatoes or something. Yeah. <laughs> slingshots. Yeah, yeah. Bart Simpson slingshots. Bolos, something like that. <laughs> so let's give a quick uh, cast out here. Casting call. Enola, played by Millie Bobby Brown, famous from Stranger Things and the Godzilla movies. Do you remember seeing her in the new Godzilla movies? What? No, I still need to watch those. They're fun. I'm a big fan. Sterling, we saw the second one in theaters together, right? We did, and it was very enjoyable. Yeah. You know, I, I loved it. Yeah, certainly not a, a classic or a cinematic masterpiece, but as far as turning your brain off watching a movie goes, it, it's top of the class. Sherlock himself was played by Henry Cavill, who plays Superman. He's in Mission Impossible Fallout. He's in that Witcher series on Netflix. He's just kind of all over the place. And may I say, I've never seen a Sherlock Holmes look like he's about to bust out of a suit jacket before, but they really tucked him into that thing. It was kind of ridiculous looking. Totally agree. And Mycroft in this movie was played by Sam Claflin. I'm not super familiar with him. Um, but lastly, the the mother, the matriarch of the Holmes family, was played by Helena Bonham Carter, who I'm sure we all love. Oh yeah, we all love her, right, Sterling? <laughs> Absolutely. If we don't love her, we 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 shouldn't be we shouldn't be friends. Right. <laughs> I will say I don't love her performance in La Mis. That's the only thing that I can really well, or or the new Alice in Wonderlands. But I'm not sure if that was her fault. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we're here to talk about Enola. Shortly into the movie, there's text on the screen that that said in big, bold letters, 37 seconds later. It's while they're on the train. And this jumped out at me as being kind of like a weird transition for a real movie. It's something that YouTubers use to transition from scene to scene. It's kind of a low-budget meme that I think SpongeBob SquarePants (laughs) super invented and popularized. And it was weird to see it in in an Ola Holmes movie. Did that scene have any impact on you? I think it was interesting. Like, I mean, for me, it just felt like more of how we had Enola talking to the camera. Like there was that text in the beginning. There's this 37 seconds later, whatever the number was. It was kind of like, do we need these cop outs in order to understand what's going on? I don't know. It just felt like just that a cop out. Right. That was one of the things that, you know, kind of made me. You know, I said I'd give it a thumbs down. I, I didn't hate the movie. I don't, I don't want, you know, I don't want it to come across that I thought it was like the worst movie I've ever seen. It's absolutely not the worst movie I've ever seen. But uh, it, this is one of the many things that took me out of the film, you know, kind of ripped away that suspension of disbelief. And that's that's kind of why I, I, I didn't like it, because I kept, you know, all right, I get it. We're watching a movie. <laughs> it's not I'm not mm-hmm. actually you, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, that bothered me a lot. Yeah, and in terms of taking you out of the movie, this was a really weird movie to have talking to the camera and text on the screen because it's such a serious story. Like, it's, it has fun, but at the same time, it's real people on the screen. Like, 
make it, it, it almost felt like the talking to the screen moments were from something from Jim Henson's Muppets. <laughs> like that's not something that you can do in live action and really be taken seriously. So yeah, I would have liked to have seen the movie cut those bits out if possible, but hopefully they take that advice moving forward. I, I think, well, actually I've read a few reviews about this movie and a lot of people are praising the talking to the camera bit. What? Because the director of this movie apparently did a show called Fleabag. I'm I'm not familiar with it, but there's a lot of cheeky talking to the joke, talking to the camera moments that are that make the audience laugh, and it's apparently like their thing. And I'm totally not into it. I don't have a problem with that when it's executed in a way that doesn't take you out of the movie. Like not to compare this to you know another you know Sherlock Holmes esque movie, but you know if you look at if you look at the Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes, like he 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 explains what's happening but like they do it in such a way that it's not as jarring it's not as like you know it's not removing you from from what's happening it's like showing you what's happening while he's explaining it whereas when when Nanola was talking to the camera she was just staring at the camera talking to the camera and that actually brings up a fun question who is your favorite actor that you've seen play Sherlock Holmes Ooh, Cumberbatch for sure I'm with you there (laughs) yep (laughs) I have not seen Cumberbatch, so I have to go with Robert Downey Jr. Mm. Nice. So you prefer Robert over Henry Cavill? Yeah, but that's just again that may change if I had seen you know Henry Cavill in like a, a you know a movie where he is featured. He's got these little bit parts, and he's not bad. Don't get me wrong; he, he does a good job. But he's he's like a, a tertiary character. You know, he's a background character. He's not he's not focused on. So I think. I'd have to see him as a main character to kind of make a good judgment. And, you know, to, to kind of step on, you know, step into that, that talking about characters, I did like, I did like all the characters in this movie. It wasn't the characters that, that kind of made me dislike it. It was, again, just kind of the, the fact that I did not, I never really had that suspension of disbelief. And we're transition here, but earlier we mentioned how this is kind of like a fun, uh, you know, feminist movie, that strong feminine character, but there is weird stuff in this movie that just kind of made me question that. Like how the corset saves her life at one point. She kind of gets stabbed in the abdomen. And the only reason she lives is because she was wearing this like restrictive corset. Did y'all think that was weird? No, I didn't think it was weird because I feel like they tied it back in when Tewksbury also got shot and he had his armor on underneath. Like it's not like we saw those things being planned out, but I feel like it just kind of, worked once they did it again i saw i saw the corset saving her life kind of coming um and i sort of felt like the the suit of armor thing was telegraphed but um i I don't i don't think they like took me out or anything like that That, again those those weren't bad yeah yeah it didn't take me out of the movie so much as i was kind of surprised at its existence and i was also surprised let's do a, a deep cut spoiler here right to the end that the grandma the the Dukesbury guy, his grandma turned out to be the villain in this movie. Right. So in this movie that was kind of framed as as like female Sherlock Holmes, I was just surprised to see some things in it that I, I wouldn't really chalk up as to being feminist. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought it was going to be a smash the patriarchy kind of movie. And then it turns out the grandma was really about to blast her own grandson away. And that did kind of come yeah. with a shock. <laughs> I mean, technically, if she blasted him and he's a guy, that's sort of like blasting away the patriarchy. (laughs) Sure. Yeah, he was like in line to be the next Duke, right? Right. True. Why can't she be the next Duke? 
But she was trying to blast him away to uphold the patriarchy instead of, you know, giving women more power. See, you get me. It was a joke. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there was was great stuff in this movie. Uh, Something that was in this movie that I wasn't expecting was fighting. There was so much jujitsu in this movie. (laughs) It was incredible. Yeah, no kidding. The choreography was pretty good. I will admit that. Yeah, hands down. Yeah, I just wasn't expecting as much hand-to-hand combat as I got. And, like, at one point I thought she'd been stabbed. I thought her love interest had been shot in the chest with a shotgun. I was like, (laughs) this movie's gross. Like, holy crap. And let's not forget, like, all the dynamite scenes. Yeah, which, which brings together another point or question. Was Mama Holmes a terrorist? I think when we root for Mama Holmes, we call her, like, a women's suffragist instead of a terrorist, but, you know. A revolutionary. A revolutionary. (laughs) Right, but people that bomb public areas because (laughs) they don't like what's going on in politics is, I mean, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, is that something that happened back in the day? Like, I'm not great at history, so. Yeah, I'm not sure either, And, and I guess... I guess the difference between a freedom fighter and a terrorist is dependent mostly on who wins and writes history. It's all perspective. Yep. But like at one point in the movie, I I had this thought where like, holy crap, is she really going to like blow up a government building if they don't vote the way she wants them to vote? Like that's pretty extreme. Again, we, we talked about the violence in this movie, but that's a pretty extreme idea for a, Enola Holmes movie. Yeah. She was Guy Fox. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of the fighting and the violence in this movie, the bowler cap guy is played by Bern Gorman. He's kind of like a hitman assassin in the movie. And I recognize him and also the uncle from Doctor Who. I have this thing where whenever I watch a predominantly British cast show or movie, I in my head just has to link everybody that's been in a Doctor Who episode back to Doctor Who. So they've both been in great Doctor Who episodes. Check it out. (laughs) This is now a Doctor Who podcast. (laughs) Yeah. No Watson in this movie. Why do you think we didn't see John Watson? I don't know. Was that like before Watson's? like involvement with Sherlock. Like I, I really didn't think about it when I was watching the movie, but now that you say that, well, I feel like Watson was always there helping investigate. And while there was some investigation by Sherlock, there wasn't a lot. It was mostly him looking for his sister. So that's sort of personal. And I don't know. I feel like maybe Watson wouldn't have been involved in that. True. But the scene where I can't say that the detective's name, the guy from from Scotland Yard, but he mentions that Sherlock works alone and Enola kind of backed that up. So I don't know if Watson's not in this Sherlock universe or if he's just not in the picture yet, but it makes me sad because I I came prepared with some Watson jokes about Apex Legends, Sterling. (laughs) Oh no. Now I'm disappointed. (laughs) Yeah. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So if you want to talk about kind of going back to the Arthur Conan Doyle part of the, the, you know, Sherlock Holmes, saga the stories that he wrote and things like that little tidbit of real life trivia here uh, the the uh family uh, the estate of sir arthur conan doyle is actually suing netflix for this what yes why 
Also, where'd you get this tea? That is such a good piece of information. I was actually uh, talking to Holly about it. We watched it together and she mentioned it and I looked it up. I saw a story on The Verge uh, and they are arguing that the, to quote, they're arguing that the movie's depiction of a public domain character, Sherlock Holmes, having emotions and respecting women violates Doyle's copyright. What? (laughs) (laughs) No. Yes. No, that that's what the Verge says. I I quote. I'm quoting that no article. Way. <laughs> that's wild. I don't really understand that. It kind of makes sense from a certain perspective. Like, uh, not not that it makes logical sense, but it's something that I would expect them to do. I imagine they don't have a lot of success. Rather than they're they're probably coasting off of the Sherlock Holmes stories, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And the Sherlock Holmes fan base is kind of notorious. The same way that like the DC fan base has been trying to get the Justice League Snyder cut made for years now, the Sherlock Holmes fan base is kind of the first time we see fan bases impacting a franchise in such a large capacity, because famously, Conan Doyle killed off Sherlock Holmes in a book, and the fans of the franchise wrote in in mass and basically made him, pressured him, and made him to undo that death and bring Sherlock Holmes back to life. Oh, wow. Unbelievable. Yeah, so one of the first successful Change.org campaigns was done before the internet was even thought about. Incredible. (laughs) See, sign me up for that. (laughs) Change.pigeon. This movie, it, it didn't hit my mind until the end, until the movie was over. But the CGI in this movie was really, really good. Like, they put a lot of money into the effects of this movie because I didn't notice anything. I was just going to say, what it, what even was CGI? Like, I don't even think I can remember what all was done. The smoke. most Mostly that is what I, I mean, I noticed it a little bit, but it was, it was pretty good. Huh. There, there had to have been more than just the smoke because there were a lot of shots of like old timey London that don't exist. Like they showed the full city and they showed the characters like running around. And I doubt they built full sets for like eight streets worth of old timey London. So I think there's a lot more CGI in this movie than we might be thinking. Oh, wow. Like the train scene, I, I know that had to have been shot on a, on a green screen, but I didn't notice that. I didn't think about it until the movie was done. Oh, yeah. I mean, I didn't even notice, so guess it worked. <laughs> right. That's the whole point, I guess. Maybe I'm only calling out the smoke because it's all I noticed, yeah. So the lead of this movie, Millie Bobby Brown, I read a, a news article about her that kind of made me roll my eyes a little bit that she almost gave up acting after she was denied a role in game of thrones what i know what role was she going for i'm not even sure what role she was trying out for probably one of the stark girls if i was to wager right that would make sense i'm guessing she was gonna try and be aria right based on her age but she would have been like such a child yeah and like being the star of the stranger things franchise like She's probably one of the most three famous faces from that movie. Like, when you think of characters from Stranger Things, she's one of them. Yeah. I feel like she got enough success. She's probably going to be okay. Oh, yeah. She's really good, though. Like, I really think she's got a good career ahead of her if she can stay off the weed and stay out of the Hollywood drama. Right, right. Is she on the weed? Do we know? I just I meant that more like stay out of Hollywood drugs and, oh. and alcoholism and rehab, like the, the Lindsay Lohan cycle. Right, right. But I'm getting old. I used to think the Lindsay Lohan cycle was really cool. <laughs> so, in terms of structure, this movie did have some awkward things in it that 
kind of made me think this was originally not filmed as a movie. Specifically about 50 minutes in, there's an awkward climax and really finalistic music playing where Enola says, do I even want to find you? And it felt like the end of an episode or the end of a pilot episode specifically, like trying to get people to come back for that second episode and keep binging. And then another one occurred at the hour 43 minute mark. There was another climax and another kind of conclusive sounding musical score where the quote, your time is over was said. And it really made me think that this might have been a miniseries at some point or, or just pilots that they had shot. And then they tried to cobble into a movie, but I couldn't find any evidence of that happening online. So I guess the real question is, did you folks, like Suze, did you get an impression of anything like that? Yeah, I actually did towards the end when, you know, she was supposed to go meet her brother in that little town hall circle looking thing. And Mm -hmm. she missed him, um, but things ended well with Tewksbury. And I kind of thought that, like, after both of those things happened, then the movie was going to be over. And then it turns out she went back and saw her mom. But I actually didn't expect the mom part to happen at all. I thought it was ending. (laughs) Yeah, there were multiple kind of false endings in this movie. I absolutely thought this is telegraphing a sequel and then the mom scene happened. And I still think maybe there'll be a sequel, but I hope there is. I, I really hope there is. I, I love seeing Helena Bonham Carter get away from Tim Burton. It's really mm-hmm. suiting her. Well, she she's capable of so much more than what he kind of shoehorns her into. Hopefully we see more in Ola Holmes movies and hopefully they talk to the camera less, but being real, that's probably a, a part of the story now. Like it might be even weirder for them to not talk to the camera in the sequel at this point, even if I'd prefer them to not talk to the camera. That's fair, but hopefully they would at least do it a little less or like make it a little more cool. Like in the middle of an action scene, you just kind of like pause and hear her thoughts. Like that'd be cool. Deadpool style. Yeah. Deadpool style. Exactly. I still haven't seen the first Deadpool. Somehow I saw the second one though. I haven't seen the second one. We, we make a perfect pair. We sure do. You guys are so cute. Well, <laughs> spoiler for the second one, a lot of guys get shot or stabbed, and there's really funny jokes. No. What? Yeah. I don't want to watch it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> the second one actually had, oh, now I can't think of his name. Uh, the guy that plays Thanos, what's his name? Josh Brolin. Thank you. It has Brolin in it as a really cool character that I thought kind of stole the show from Deadpool. Cable's so cool. Yeah, he, he's like... The complete, like, in terms of superheroes and villains, it's always really interesting when they mirror each other in dark ways. But where Deadpool is like a really light, I don't give a crap kind of superhero, Cable is a very, very serious counterpart. And it was really fun seeing them in the same movie, but I really think Brolin stole the show from Deadpool. Nice. Okay. It's going on the list. (laughs) (laughs) I can't tell if Henry Cavill is a good actor. I think it depends. I feel like he's one of those actors that he plays to his writing. If the writing's bad, he's not going to do great. If the writing's good, he's going to do fantastic. To me, he always looks awkward and like he doesn't know what to do with his body. Like he hits his mark with his feet and he doesn't know what to do with his hands. I don't, I'm no professional judge of actors or anything, but like in this movie, there were so many scenes of him holding a book. Like, every single scene, he was holding a book throughout the whole time. And I can almost just see the director being like, what the hell is this guy doing with his hands? We've got to put something in there to, like, make this less awkward. 
I can see that. But his Superman role and his his Mission Impossible Fallout role, which is I think the best I've seen him was Mission Impossible. He just doesn't sell it all the way for me. There's something about him that kind of reminds me of the 90s era of action stars of Stallone and, and Schwarzenegger. These guys that are just super ripped, but kind of don't play different characters. They're pretty much the same character in every movie. I think that's what we're getting from Cavill. Yeah. He's a buff nerd. He plays Warhammer 40k. I'm pretty sure. Um, he's built multiple computers live on Instagram. I haven't seen these, but I just know these are things he's done. Oh wow! Did they have Superman lights? I don't. I don't know. I haven't watched, but I probably. <laughs> okay. Well, that's really all I had for Enola. That's all I had on my my little list of notes here. Did you, lovely folks, have anything to add to the movie? Do we want to talk about, like, her name, how it's Enola, or any of the, like, clues that were left, like chrysanthemum, blah, 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 that kind of thing? Yeah, let's talk about her name. The first thing I have to bring up about her name is the whole movie, I had to try to trick my brain into stop making jokes about Ebola. (laughs) No way. I was like, stop it, brain. That's wickedly not appropriate. Okay, so our brains went to completely different, like, directions, because... From the start, I was like, duh, her name spelled backwards or mixed up or whatever is alone. And so the whole movie, I was focused on, like, what what else is, like, mixed up? What else do I need to decipher? And that is literally where oh. I spent 50% of my time was looking for I clues. really wanted her to have a Creole accent because Nola, you know, New Orleans. <laughs> wow. Oh my god, That British Louisiana accent's perfect. <laughs> oh, totally. Oh, that's my favorite kind. Hey. It's not that far off, because that's, that's based largely on French accents. Uh, you have a point. Absolutely. Not that Britain and France are the same thing, but they're close. Don't judge me. <laughs> In location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have no culture. <laughs> we all remember Benoit Blanc. True. Ah, Benoit. <laughs> He's fantastic. The other thing about Enola's name that happened to me at one point was somebody kind of shouted her name. I, I don't remember who it was in the movie, but the way they shouted it reminded me of the Ricola commercial. So I went, <laughs> Enola. Oh my God. Oh, I think that gave me a sore throat. <laughs> I have a solution for you. Enola. <laughs> Do you feel better? A little bit. <laughs> this is why I keep you guys around. <laughs> I'm now realizing that we kind of didn't talk about the plot of this movie, but I'm also not really sure what to say about it. it it's a mystery. Her mom goes missing. Like, what else is there to say about this? Hmm. Her mom goes missing. Sherlock is a fair weather brother that sometimes wants to help her, sometimes doesn't care. Mycroft is a douchebag. Yeah, for sure. Total. total yeah, we're douchebag. we're done with him. He can go. Burn Gorman's character is trying to murder them, and he like. He tries to kill her by apple bobbing at one point, and it's kind of an intense scene. Like, seeing Millie Bobby Brown's lifeless head underwater, like, spewing out the last of her breath, I was like, ew, stop! Right. I don't like this. That was my favorite scene, purely because she played dead and then winked at the camera. That was the only time the, the fourth wall breaking, like, made me smile. <laughs> I also loved when she, like, couldn't get that one, what did she call it, the corkscrew? jujitsu move 
She like couldn't mm-hmm. get it several times throughout the movie, and then she finally got it at the end. To me, that was justice, and I was so happy about that. Yeah, it kind of showed some some character growth from her. It was one of her like arcs, learning to be a better fighter, learning to do what she needs to do. On the subject of the corkscrew, though, that that fighting room of of like middle aged women. I would love to just watch a show about that room and the characters that practice in there. That sounds wildly entertaining to me. Didn't Netflix have a wrestling show called Glow or something like that that was about women wrestlers? Really? They did, and it's it's one of those things that's been in my queue for like six years now, and I've never tried it out. But I, I maybe now the time. I definitely want to get to it at some point. Honestly, I have so many movies scheduled and a lot of podcast things on the radar. I really haven't been watching TV at all since I've started this podcast because of how much time this draws from my, you know, quote unquote, free time. Uh, That makes sense. See, for me, it actually forces me to watch movies where instead I would normally spend my free time watching like trash reality shows. So like, (laughs) this is good for me. You're doing good things out here, David. Fighting the good fight. (laughs) Yeah, just trying to spread some class, trying to class myself up and help others along the way. Spread some culture. I'm here for it. <laughs> but not, not, not Corona. Not that kind of culture. Nope, and not French culture either, because David doesn't know a lot about that. Speaking of coronavirus, I this is totally not podcast appropriate, but I dropped my cat <laughs> off at the vet earlier, and I'm just really impressed with their like practice. They just have you wait in the car, and they come out and, and pick up your cat, and then bring them back out, and they're like, "Yep, we charged your card. We've got it on file here. Have a nice day." It was kind of like a drive-through version of veterinary services. Very cool. Yeah, they did that with my dogs. I just think like, you know, I'd like to be in there because I'm a helicopter dog mom. But oh, geez. As long as they're not like injecting my dogs with some like superpower drugs, then we're good. Wait, you don't want your dogs to have superpowers? No. Yeah. What What's going on here? Dude, I need to be the boss. They already got <laughs> gang up on me and think that they own the bed. But they didn't pay for it. I put the sheets on it. I pay the rent. It's mine. Hmm. Don't they pay their portion of the rent in great snuggles, though? Um, yes, you have a point. <laughs> I just would like a little more room on the bed. <laughs> Perfectly fair. Well, we're talking about our pets. I think we've run the gamut on Enola. Um, again, I would rate this as a thumbs up. It's totally worth watching, even if you're not a fan of the, the fourth wall breaking. It's a fun movie. It's a good time. It's nice to see a movie where the, the end of the world's not at stake or there's a lot of gunfights and cursing and blood. Like it, it was just a fun movie. And this is really, I've talked a lot about the movies that Netflix makes, they really are focusing on the movies that Hollywood doesn't make anymore. And that's these small movies. Hollywood is just hell bent on making these $90 million, $150 million movies that are trying to get back 500 million to a billion dollars. They're really on this course of trying to make every movie be star Wars and rake in that insane amount of money. And Netflix has picked up this like mid market movie and they just do such a great job with it. Yeah, Disney. Yeah, Disney. <laughs> Disney's actually in a really weird spot in COVID times because they're sitting on multiple of those $150 million movies. And there's just literally no way for them to recoup their costs. So they're in kind of a bad spot. But but ultimately, with their streaming service, they're in a much better spot than like Warner Brothers or, or Paramount. 
any of those other companies. Absolutely. So are you saying we should watch a Disney movie next? I don't have Disney Plus, and I refuse to have it. So <laughs> the only movie that you might be able to get me to watch is Nightmare Before Christmas. But oh, we can do that. In terms of what the podcast is bringing up next, we're actually going to be putting out an episode on a movie called What Dreams May Come. I'm not at all familiar with it. Have you heard of it, Sterling? Uh, I feel like I've heard the name, but I, I've never seen it. Suzanne, have you heard of it? Sounds familiar, but <laughs> I I can't picture it. I don't know anything about it. It's a Robin Williams movie, and I think it's kind of a heavy-handed uh, Christian message movie, but I've never seen it. I've never really heard of it. A podcast recurring guest, Treb, picked it out for us to watch, so it should be an interesting time. I almost face-palmed, because as soon as you said Robin Williams, it clicked. Yep. And Robin Williams... Bless his soul. Everybody loves him. National treasure. He made a lot of shitty movies. Oh, absolutely. Like a lot. And I'm worried that this is going to be one of those, but hopefully it's a good movie. Hopefully I have nice things to say about it. We'll find out on the 18th. It's, I think, the third episode to be published on a Wednesday. Exciting. Very cool publishing day. Like, share, subscribe, audience members. Great stuff happening here. Please. (laughs) But yeah, What Dreams May Die. We've got Treb and Kelsey on that one. And in terms of this podcast group, of the Susan Sterling podcast group, the next time that we do a movie, it's going to be a randomly selected Netflix movie. How's that sound to you guys? (laughs) Pray for me. (laughs) Yeah, speaking of possibly bad movies, I have no idea what this is going to bring. So the only stipulations I have about the randomizer that I'm using is I'm bringing out any foreign language films and I'm cutting out documentaries. Those are my only things that I'm doing because I don't think a documentary would be fun to talk about. It would just be like, oh, wow, I didn't know that's what the Okavongo looked like. Very cool. Yeah, or I now feel obligated to eat more kale. Yeah, I I would never say that, but you might say that. (laughs) My doctor told me to do that and... Oh. Still not. What do they know? What is, yeah, what does he know? Empty. Why do you assume it's a guy, St- Suzanne? I don't know. Yeah. Uh. Why? Wow. I don't want to have this conversation anymore. <laughs> Did you pay attention to Noah at all? Uh, yeah. I gotta go. <laughs> I think we should all be going. So thanks for coming out, Suzanne. Thanks for coming out, Sterling. It's always a pleasure to talk about these films with you. Love you guys. I wouldn't miss it for the world. <laughs> Audience members, thanks for tuning in. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts. We love five-star reviews. It helps the algorithm find us. We're trying to spread our words to more audience members, so anything will help. But thanks for tuning in and listening to this episode, and I hope everybody listening stays safe and has a great day.